I'm Gregory Berg, and on this edition of The Morning Show, we're going to be talking about one of the happiest events on the Kenosha calendar, the Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival, which is this year celebrating its 15th anniversary. This event was organized uh, in honor of and in memory of Mary Lou and Arthur F. Mahone. In a couple of minutes, I'll introduce our four special guests, but first we're going to hear a little bit from the headliner for this year's Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival, the highly regarded uh, saxophonist Paul Taylor. From his album of greatest hits, this is Come Over. Saxophonist Paul Taylor, one of a number of fine artists who are going to be part of this year's Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival. Uh, with us on the morning show today to talk about this event, Tim Mahone and Artist Mahone, uh, a son and a daughter of Mary Lou and Arthur F. Mahone. And this event is the major fundraiser for the Mary Lou and Arthur F. Mahone Fund, which does all kinds of great things all year round. Uh, a little later in the hour, we're going to be talking with Terry Jacobson, uh, who is co-chair of the Cooking Studio, which is a fun aspect of this event, and with firefighter Jeff Widener, who's going to be one of the guest chefs participating in this year's Cooking Studio. So we need to start with the Mahones and with two amazing people named Mary Lou and Arthur F. Mahone. So Tim and artists. uh what do you want to tell us about your parents and uh, what they meant to you and what they meant to the community? Looks like uh, Artis is having Tim start. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's uh, always been the boss. She's the oldest, I'm the youngest, so I'm still listening. Well, first of all, uh, Greg, thank you so very much for having us on again each and every year. You give us an opportunity to uh, really talk uh, graciously about our parents, right? Mom and dad who worked just uh, strenuously, uh, diligently in this community to improve the very best in every person, right? Regardless of race and creed. They just really wanted to improve the human condition and tap into the soul of everyone, which, which through, of course, uh, around the area of access to quality education and affordable health care, social justice issues and poverty, and, you know, my mom was more in the forefront and touching the lives, and my father was more in the behind-the-scenes, touching lives and raising the family and working really hard. And both of them together, through faith and love in the family, created that warmth around this community. It's kind of a blanket around the community. And what we're trying to do is just uh, bring together the community in their name and their honor. Um, and we're so pleased that we have so many people in the community 
that volunteer and help us do that, hmm. you know. It says a lot about uh, you, and it probably says even more about your parents in terms of— More about of, my parents, uh, less about me. <laughs> <laughs> about the, uh, the, the high standing that they had in people's eyes and the, the big difference that they, that they made. Where were they from originally? Mom's from Kenosha, and Dad was from Waukegan, Illinois, uh, by way of Chicago. Do you know the story of how they met? Yes. <laughs> On the North Shore. <laughs> the North Shore train, Daddy came up to Kenosha to go to a party. And he said he saw this beautiful, striking woman. And Mom said she saw this handsome man who was debonair and dapper. And they met, and next thing you know, here we are. Many <laughs> 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 later. Tell yeah, us about, what, about t- eight of us later. <laughs> <laughs> Tim's already touched on kind of the impact they had on the community. What were they like as parents? Tell us what they oh, were like as parents. Oh, my goodness. Um, fun-loving. Very fun-loving. Very dedicated to the family, though. We, um, mom was a great cook. She was a disciplinarian different from dad. Dad was very cut and dry. Mom would use, oh, hurt your feelings by way. Now you know better than that. That's not the right thing to do. Make you feel real guilty. Right, and they had a lot of music playing in the All house time. growing up. Always had good All music time. going on, and uh, whether it was church music, gospel music. Tim, it, let's talk about the right spot. The right it. spot was the tavern across the street from the Chicago, the train station. Folks like Etta James, oh, yeah. Duke Ellington, uh, Sarah Vaughn, uh, all of the old-time great jazz artists were there, and of course, our grandfather, we were assured, was part of that community. They would wind up at our home. So we had history in our home and didn't realize it. So we had nothing but music. We, you know, you know that phrase, you know, dance and sing like no one's watching. That's how we did our Saturday, well, Sunday through Sunday, everything. So it didn't, it was just so much fun in our house. But we had every kid in the neighborhood at our house. So we were the community house. So in a sense, when you decided to not only memorialize your parents with this fund, but also with this event, it's, it's, it's no coincidence that it's a music festival because that was really important to both of them. It really was. You know, music brings people together. And we tried to figure out a way to do it. You could have a dinner, you could have a dance, you could have a block party, you can do a lot of different things, right? Um, golf tournaments. Golf or tournaments, yeah. and, yes. and we've done all that. But 15 years of just high-quality music that is benchmarked by the fans who kind of drive us to, to, to bring this kind of quality music to our lakefront has been kind of um, the threshold of, of our efforts. And um, if you listen to, you know, whether it's reggae, whether it's R&B, whether it's jazz, whether it's blues, light rock, you find a little bit of spirituality in everybody. And what my parents, again, wanted to do with that was bring out the best and have everybody touch somebody else. We were raised as individuals, right, with nine kids um, as independents, right? Mm-hmm. And so to bring the absolute best out of every kid and challenged us, real competitive household, real competitive family. My dad was Golden Gloves boxing champion, uh-huh. karate. Right, right, right. He's fencing at 67 years old, right? And still (laughs) learning how to uh, uh, Japanese. So when you're around that kind of uh, uh, desire to learn to the very last day of your life, then you're obligated to go back out and do that, right? And so 
through the fund, of course, we've we've provided scholarships to over 235 kids. And the goal, of course, giving them the opportunity to create their own legacy in life. And that's what this event does. So the proceeds from this event clearly support those youth that we're sending off to college as an opportunity to reduce the financial barriers in those households. College is expensive. We have one kid going to school at $76,000. Mm-hmm. Now, who has that kind of money? A year. A year. <laughs> right. Who has that kind of money? So, um, and, and the value of that, I'm just going to keep talking here. The value of that, of course, is we have those kids who come back and volunteer, hmm. right? They realize how the community has impacted their lives and helped create those dreams to go on to college. So even in their young, spirited, lively days right now, they come back and volunteer for our events. We encourage them to volunteer at other events and give back while they can, while they're early, young in life. So that's what we're trying to do, mm-hmm. touch these generations and create these interconnected links, right? So mm-hmm. so they come back to Kenosha and make Kenosha better, right? Um, trying times in this world right now, right? Mm-hmm. And so anything we can do to make the lives better, that's what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. One of the things, Matt, interject is that Dad was a welding instructor here at Gateway. Mm-hmm. Ah. He had touched so many lives, and people will drive by the house and say, oh, your dad did this for me, and your dad helped me here. I work with employees through KUSD who were taught by dad here at Gateway. So that says something, you know, in terms of what Gateway stands for and what dad also added to the community. He, they both touched so many lives in different ways. Wow, that's very cool. I noticed on the website for the, uh, for the uh, Mary Lou and Arthur F. Mahone Fund uh, something called CEO. Uh, career exploration organization. This is kind of a mentorship program that uh, apparently the fund has helped to, to, to make possible. Tell us a little bit about that uh, intriguing story. It is a great story. So I told you about how our parents wanted to expose us to certain things as young kids. And the CEO program is titled just that, you know, Career Exploration Organization. And it's an initiative that self-actualizes the, the career path for our youths. So we try to engage them with local companies so they can learn about their career path. Through that journey, the mentoring is ACT prep, how to you know prepare for college, financial aid. Through that program, we have a college fair, which is hosted over at Parkside, uh, usually the last Saturday of October. This year, it's October 26th, I believe. We have 600 parents and family uh, kids come out uh, to learn from approximately 17, 18 colleges. Uh, eight or nine businesses that get a chance to talk about internships and things of that sort. So it's an opportunity to expose our young students to career paths very early so that can make some good judgments. And we match with various companies in the area. So, uh, again, it's an opportunity for them uh, to learn about what they want to do, ask a lot of questions. Uh, It evolves over time. It helps them shift gears along the way, helps them prepare but it also becomes a pipeline for our scholarship program. Hmm. So they learn how to write their applications and their essays and things of that sort. So the writing skills, the technical skills, the logic skills, all that stuff comes out of this mentoring program. Hmm. But once again, we could not do it without our volunteers. We have a ton of volunteers that come and help support that. And our partner with KUSD and Gateway and Parkside and Herzing and Carthage are all part of that team along with our scholarship committee that helps shape hmm. that vision not to mention uh, the business community. Hmm. I uh, saw some uh, photos as well uh, on the website that uh, 
are about the Reaching for Rainbows Pursuit of Excellence Gala. And and it just looks like an amazing night and so much fun and uh, so much to celebrate. It's a lot to celebrate because, again, it's an investment in the future of our our young students. That's where we provide the uh, scholarships for our students. And and I tell you, I get real teary-eyed during that event. I get teary-eyed all the time right now. I get emotional (laughs) talking about this stuff. But you get a chance. That's where we give our scholarships to our students, first of all. So between Carthage and their full-ride scholarship, and you know it's about $45,000 a year over there. So... We get a full ride from Carthage, and now we created some additional access awards for students to close the financial gap. Then eight to ten Mahone Fund awards, and they get $5,000 per student. But that event brings about 450 people from the community, very diverse group of people who support the journeys of our kids, right? Our students get to stand on the stage and talk about kind of where they're going, what they're studying. Um, but they're passionate, right? And you meet their parents and you understand more about their story. An artist and her committee gets a chance to sit with the parents and walk them through what this looks like. We ask the students to make business cards so they walk around the the, uh, venue meeting parents and meeting other business folks and and supporters of them, right? Um, But it's also an opportunity for our students, uh, previous scholarship recipients, to come back and give back their companies are buying tables. So this investment in our students from 2008, 9, 2002 are now coming back and investing in their own program. So it really is a full circle opportunity to, uh, uh, for the community to see the return on their investment. And I think we're also very proud of that. And Terry has been there probably the 21 forever. years we've been there forever, <laughs> forever. right? Uh, one of our biggest supporters, we're going to talk yes. with her later, I know, but Terry Jacobson is here and she can certainly speak to that event. Um, and the joy and pride, not to put words in her mouth, but. <laughs> it is an amazing event every year. The, the, my favorite part is the kids get up and say something. And if you have a teenager, I encourage you to buy a ticket and go to that and bring your teenager with. Because <laughs> almost every one of them talks about how their parents drag them across the finish line and encourage them to fill out the paperwork on time. And, and it really is inspiring to every one of them and that they all have different dreams. The diversity of the scholarship winners, that it's not just people who are going to get a business degree. It's a lot. The young lady last year who's coming to Gateway to be a pilot. Uh, you know, I mean, there yeah. there are great stories about people finding their passion through the CEO program. And then this is a scholarship that allows them to explore the full width of their passion. It's mm, not just trying to channel them in one direction. So Wow. That really is what it's all about. For those of you just joining us, we're speaking today with uh, Tim and Artis Mahone. Uh, with Terry uh, Jacobson, uh, county treasurer, but today co-chair of the cooking studio for this weekend's event. And in just a moment, we're going to meet Jeff Widener, a firefighter here in Kenosha, uh, who is also going to be part of the cooking studio this weekend. Let's listen to a little bit of music. And I'm afraid we're having phone trouble here in our studios. We can't make a long-distance call of any kind on any of our phones. I don't know what gremlin is at work. So with apologies to Paul Taylor, who was so nice to get up bright and early, we're at least going to listen to a, a bit of his music. This is from one of his most recent albums called Countdown. This is the title track. And then we're going to talk about this weekend's 15th anniversary Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival. You're listening to The Morning Show on WGTD. And here's saxophonist Paul Taylor. Thank <laughs> you. 
saxophonist Paul Taylor. How exciting to have him on board for the 15th annual uh, Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival. Uh, Tim and artists, just say a word about what it felt like to uh, launch the first Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival many years ago. Uh, as you started this, were you sure it was going to go? And did you have any idea that it would grow to be this big and this uh, a success? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Not a funny, glimmer of doubt. Funny story. After 15 years, the very first one, and you ask about being excited. Your mom had been in heaven here for a couple of years, and the community, the vendors, the musicians, Ramsey Lewis, we were all so excited to kick off <coughs> the very first. And I'll never forget this, the little red hat lady, red, red hat lady group, <laughs> there are like 35 of them sitting dead center uh, of uh. Celebration Place. And the only thing in an outdoor event that you cannot control is what? The weather. <laughs> the weather. And we had a monsoon. Mm. So yes. imagine oh. all the emotion going on. And I'm looking at my sister, looking at our friends out there, and everybody's waiting for the monsoon to go over. And st we're still excited. Ramsey's going to play. He's sitting in his limousine out there. And the sound guy comes to me, and he says, look at the stage, look at the wind. This ain't going to happen. Mm. <laughs> 14 years later, we're still cooking. So absolutely, we thought it was going to be a success, right? Charm well, from the start. That's right. But when, you start, when you start at the bottom, there's only one way well, to go. Only down. one way to go, Good right? Point. Only one way to go. But Ramsey Lewis, you know, we've always tried to start these events with our youth. And Ramsey Lewis was so kind to have a big happy hour behind the stage with our youth and sign some autographs. Uh, but I still had to pay him. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. He wanted to get paid. Yeah. Well, it's been uh, relatively smooth sailing ever since, and and Absolutely. really, it's it's an it's been incredible how how much this this uh, event has grown over the years, and just the good feeling in the air. It's just incredible. The lakefront, you know, water has a tendency to do that, hmm. right? When you travel, you want to be on the beach, and it just brings out, you know, brings out the happy the happiness, right? Mm -hmm. And so you you pair that with music on our lakefront, and we've gotten fourteen years of good quality music. The key, though, is I think our team has responded to the fans and their request for music, and we've changed our music up over years, so it's a blend, primarily jazz and blues in terms of the headliner. But we've been able to bring in international talent, high-quality talent, and mix it with kind of local and regional talent. So we still support our local artists and invest in our local artists and capped with our national artists. So 14 years later, it's a good mix. I think our fans have responded. We listen to our fans in terms of kind of what they want to listen to. They are investing in us, so it's important for us to understand what they want to listen to. And I think we've, you know, we keep, I, we have a great committee of 16 folks who really battle at it, right, at all aspects of this event. And you're going to talk about the cooking studio. Um, but, you know, the beer and wine garden, the wine raffle, and the auction items, we just everybody takes their, their time to put energy and commit to this vision that my sister and I and our family and my dad, because it started when my dad was alive. Mm. So That's right. He was still around. He was still he? around, absolutely. So, you know, he was all into this. And, you know, the godfather, he had a chance to put his thumbprint on this. <laughs> and even though... Even though he wasn't a smooth jazz fan, at all. <laughs> really? Not at all. What Not did what at did he all. What did he like? Wow, old school. He was old school for real. Uh, oh, he was a duke. Uh, he was a duke. Mm. Miles Davis. Mm. Dad was 
real jazz, as you might say it. Straight this, ahead jazz. Yes, this smooth jazz. My father would be like, mm. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But he liked this festival nevertheless. <laughs> he, he realized people impressed? were coming out to support his wife. <laughs> there you go. Well, he's and the family. The fact that they were musicians. Yeah. See, that's something. It's one thing to play music. It's another thing to be a musician. And my father was all about musicians. Hmm. And I think that's the whole story about Daddy. Great point. Right? Yes. And so many of those those uh, today's artists have gotten their inspiration from old school jazz. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, so if you ask a lot of those artists today, where did they get their, their influence or their, their passion from? Duke Ellington. Mm-hmm. Um, Hundred percent, Miles if, Davis. Even if they took their gifts in a slightly different direction, right. that's Absolutely. where it started. Yes. Right. Very good point. Right. Well, in addition to music, there is good food and there is spectacular yes. cooking at the the uh, Harper Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival, and uh, we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. We've already heard from both of our guests who are uh, very directly involved in the cooking studio, Terry Jacobson. Uh, is co-chair of the uh, cooking studio, and one of the participants this year is going to be firefighter Jeff Widener. Uh, so, Terry, first of all, tell us a little bit about, for someone who's never been to the Harbor Park Jazz Rhythm and Blues Festival, uh, what the cooking studio is, what people get to see and experience if they... Uh, take in this part of the festival? Well, Artis and I co-chair the cooking studio, and it really ties into the Mahone Fund's idea of a healthier community. And so that's really how this got, got brought into it. The family, along with music, had food all the time and cooking going on. <laughs> And we always wanted to support that in our community. So that's how we started bringing in this aspect to the Jazz Fest after several years. And we've gone through a lot of great local chefs and a lot of different aspects. This year, we wanted to do something a little bit different, shake it up a little bit. And we have this partnership with Gateway. And last year, we kind of highlighted that a little bit more because the chef we had last year went to a technical college. He went to MATC. And so we, we started thinking about how important that is. And so we thought the fire science program and the culinary program are both great programs here at Gateway. Why not bring them all together? And we know that our firemen in our community like to do community service and are always supporting so many great events here. And they really just jumped on board. And luckily, the men in the firehouse like to cook. And so um, we thought that would be a great way to tie everything together. Now, these gentlemen are fairly competitive. What you say, Jeff? Um, not so much myself. No. <laughs> <laughs> but he's heard about other guys in the competitive. I, that's right. I, I, I've read the book. Yeah. <laughs> and they've been really great about coming together and coming up with their ideas. And we gave them a little bit of focus. We wanted to make sure that it was like everything else in the Mahomes Fund, community-oriented. So we wanted it to be audience voted upon instead mm. of some fancy people. So we, we said, <laughs> you know what? We're going to bring in the audience into this, and we want them to have the opportunity to come up with a great dish that is satisfy an audience and let them pick who the best chef in southeastern Wisconsin is, or cook, as the case may be. Right, and I, and I think one of the, the neat things about that is that uh, we're, we are not uh, – uh, a, a show like you'd find on uh, the Cooking Channel or on Food Network where there's all kinds of uh, uh, things where people are being judged down to the last minuscule thing. This is really about what people want to choose and what they want to judge and what they think of it. And it's just another aspect that is involved in, in the whole uh, festival. So 
it's uh, different, it's connected, um, and it changes all the time. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. So how is this going to unfold then uh, in terms of what actually is going to happen? Well, we're going to have uh, a lot I, of... I don't actually know, so this is the first time <laughs> okay, I've heard right. this. So. <laughs> That's where our, our partnerships with several different groups come into play. Is that First of all, our MC is going to be John Doms here at Gateway, oh, yeah. who is in charge of the fire program out in Elkhorn. And um, he is going to be our MC, and he's working closely with Danielle Waybright, who you may not know the name, but you probably know the food here in Kenosha. Uh-huh. She's the head chef for the Grease and Honey group of restaurants. So if you've been to Sazzy Bees or The Buzz or The Garage or soon to be Apis, downtown Kenosha, then you know her cooking. And she okay. is a, a classically trained chef, and she has been mentoring our our firehouse cooks and working with them and developing their recipes and working out the logistics of it. Well, she's going to be working with them on the stage as well. So she's going to be going in between while we have our two head chefs on the stage. And then in the background, we'll have Brian Quinn from Gateway working with our sous chefs from each of the firehouses. And and they'll be working to hammer out the samples so that our audience will be able to vote on it at the end of the, the program. So you're going to learn a little bit about not only the dishes that they're preparing, you're going to get their recipes in the program book, but you're also going to learn a little bit what it's like to cook in a firehouse, which I found really interesting. That was been an education for myself and talking to these guys on what it's like to cook in a firehouse. I didn't know you could only right. shop in the area right. that your firehouse is located in. Mm-hmm. So... Tell us more, Jeff, about uh, the cooking that goes on in, in firehouses. I, I would call it, um, if you took the show Hell's Kitchen and, and, you, and you magnified it uh, about three times over, it's, it's organized chaos. It's, it's, uh, it's, it, it can be difficult. It can be challenging at times. Um, as you know, our, our first responsibility is emergency response. And it comes above all else. It comes above training. It comes above eating. It comes above sleeping. It comes above everything, including going to the bathroom. Um, So with that charge being out there, um, that's our first priority. Uh, As far as the cooking, um, we are a family. Um, There's 16 of us at our particular station. Um, We are a family. We spend one-third of our lives, our working lives, in the firehouse. We eat, sleep, sleep. the whole nine yards that are at the firehouse. So cooking is really kind of the point where we bring everybody together. It's uh, it's an almost sacred type time uh, in the fire station. Um, so it's one of those things that the general public gets an extremely uh, small perception, and this is an opportunity for them to learn a little bit more about what life is like uh, trying to handle that. What it's like, um, it's like running a small restaurant um, basically. Um, so every day we have to come up with a menu. Every day we collect all the money from the guys. We have a budget to work with. We go out, shop for it, and hopefully we are able to prepare it and consume it uh, <laughs> within a time frame uh, that that doesn't impact any of our other uh, activities that we do throughout the day. So not, not much uh, pheasant under glass, is that what you're trying to say? Um, yeah, souffles don't go over well. Uh, anything that's very, very sensitive has a, has a tendency to turn into a complete disaster. Right. So, um, but we do have a lot of traditions. Yeah. So for instance, at your firehouse, how many 
firefighters are, are typically there at any one time. We can so, have we can have up to sixteen. Um, it's usually right around the twelve twelve to fourteen mark, um, depending on off day schedules and things of that nature. So, so that's one firehouse. The minimum right. number at in Kenosha is six on any one station. So okay. again, between six and fourteen people you're cooking for at any one time. So you you are hardly ever ordering out for pizza. I mean, that's that um, tends well. Not I'll tell to you when the... we order out for pizza. We order out for pizza when we have a great game plan for a really nice dinner, and we're about halfway through it, and we get a fire, and it's ruined. <laughs> then we order pizza. Okay. So, and yeah. that's happened more often than I can uh, recall. Right. So when people are rude enough to have a fire in the middle of the <laughs> You know, they, they, don't, they don't exactly follow a reservation. They schedule. don't. No, so. they don't. Uh, if only. If only. <laughs> so what are a couple of the favorites that typically get uh, get eaten at, at your particular firehouse? Uh, Saturday, Saturday is traditionally steak and pizza. Uh, it's, it's a long-standing tradition. I don't know where it came from. I don't know how long it's been in place, but it's been there for the 30 years I've been there. Um, for some reason, chicken and fish fry on Fridays, um, it was obviously uh, put in place uh, because of during Lent at one time, and chicken was for the non-Catholics that, <laughs> that decided that I'm not eating that fish. Yeah. Um, and here in the Midwest, fish is a little bit tough to get. But at any rate, um, we also, uh, any sort of Mexican dish goes over huge all the time because it's extremely diverse and it uh, has a lot of different options and a lot of uh, guys who may be picky have an opportunity to pick and choose what they like on their on their Mexican food. So uh, that goes over well as, um, pretty much most of the time. Very good. By the way, I've been really careful to say firefighter, but you keep talking about the guys. Uh, uh, that's keep... a that's a generalized term. Uh, we and firefighters uh, come in all shapes and sizes, um, all kinds of races, uh, male and female. We make no distinguishment right. between any of it. But that's what that I think is what adds to the culinary diversity of the firehouse is because we have so many people from so many different backgrounds. Um, it adds to it, particularly on the holidays. Hmm. Uh, we have to work on the holidays. Um, it's just any other work day to us. But that's an opportunity a lot of times where guys who have maybe a family recipe or mom or grandma who might still be around um, is willing to make a dish for them to bring in that is traditional and reflective of their culture, of their family, of their heritage. Um, and we all get to share in that. And so I, I think in general, firefighters are exposed to probably more types of food and more uh, different ethnic foods than a lot of people do on their own. Wow, I like that. By the way, what, what, which firehouse is yours? I work at the new one at Station 1 on 52nd and 22nd. Brand new. Uh, brand new. Just opened. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where the school used to be. Yeah. Yes, we're across from the Italian-American. Yes, yep. right. Yeah. I have so we're able it. to get bread at Cardinelli's real quick. <laughs> there you go. Um, if things go really, really bad, we can order from the IA club. And if we have to get something quick, we can always go to Max Deli for something as there well. There you go. So, well, well positioned. Yeah, well positioned. And that was not by design. It 
but it sure worked out good. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just curious, Jeff, at what point in your life did you decide that you wanted to do this? Uh, it all actually started, <laughs> and I know this sounds terrible, it all actually started with my despise for football. Um, <laughs> as a kid, I never was, was interested in, in a lot of organized sports and things of that nature, and my family got together for um, football Sundays, Super Bowl, things of that nature. I just had no interest in it. Hmm. And so my grandmothers, my mother, uh, well, if you're just going to mope around the house, come in the kitchen here and start cutting these carrots and, and give me a hand. Okay. <laughs> and that's kind of where it started. Um, wow. And since then, um, I've, I've learned uh, some unbelievable uh, things about uh, Italian cooking from my in-laws. Um, I've learned things from other guys on the job. Um, the invention of the Food Network has probably been one of the greatest things. And, you know, I mean, everybody says, oh, we got HD football. Yeah, so what? Yeah. Guess what? We got the Food Network. Right, right, so right. Um, those things are, are where I got started, and, and that's kind of where it's evolved for me. Huh. I think cooking is so much a family affair. And like I said, Absolutely. that's how Mahone Fun brought it all together because so much of the fund is being a family. And when mm. he talks about the committee that puts on jazz, we're, we, are, we all are a family. The six of us sit around a table. We always have to share some good news or bad news about what's going on <laughs> in our right. lives yeah. and so that we all are on the same page and working so, towards the same goal and caring about each other as people. Yeah. And that's what's really important and, about everything. And that, that's what's reflective in the firehouse. You know, we, we have... We have a lot of obligations between uh, training, inspecting, uh, obviously answering calls. And those four rigs are split up during the day doing various different things as companies. And mealtime is a chance for us to all come back together. Mm. Um, and it's an opportunity. Well, we try at least. <laughs> they all come back together and uh, and sharing, this, sharing what's going on just uh -huh. like any other family does at dinner time. I'd just like to share this one point. Anyone that knew our mother knew that she was a fantastic cook chef in her own right and because of that Tim and I said we need to have something like this in addition to just having music at the at the festival so this part of the cooking studio that's a Mary Lou idea right mm -hmm. there because Mary Lou could take peanut butter and make it taste like steak you know <laughs> what I mean Mary and Mary Lou would take like you're doing she would take a little bit of something and it turn it into a huge meal uh, to feed so many people. Wow. Coming from a family of eight children, she had no choice. Mary, yeah. Mary Lou should have been a firefighter. <laughs> I guess so. She would have done just fine trying to feed all those folks. Right, right. Yeah. So, so she put out a lot of fires. On. She yeah. Right. There you go. that many kids in the house. You're right. So, what will you be cooking this weekend? Um, strangely, uh, we were charged with cooking chicken, a side dish. Um, for people to sample, and both of us uh, just cringed at cooking chicken. Um, <laughs> we we all had different ideas of things we wanted to make. Um, we we said chicken's boring. You can only do so much with it. It's got a very short window, but that's what makes it a challenge, and that's what puts people to a test. Is when you're you're cooking something that maybe you're not used to doing, or something that you're not real fond of. That's what makes um, mm. the challenge so much better. 
Well, and we wanted to make sure that because we were being judged by an audience, if you're being judged by a panel of judges, <laughs> you you know that, you know, what they can and can't eat. When you have the, the judging be the entire audience, we tried to, to make sure that everybody could enjoy the dish. When you start to get into seafood allergies oh, or yeah, people who exactly. don't eat pork or right, something or like that, it was like, it was like beef or chicken that we're up right. to. And we're like, I, I can what? think of 10,000 things I would have much rather made. <laughs> but when you're, when you're looking at that type of audience, again, we're not being judged by chefs or a panel of chefs. Um, on cooking technique and flavor and things like that, we're actually being judged by the people who are tasting it. Hmm. So that's what ultimately leads us to do that. Wow, what a great, uh, what a great addition to this festival! How long has the cooking studio been part of it? It's been a few years. Six years. Six, Six years. years. Yeah. All right. Well, I know people would miss it terribly, and this is a wonderful uh, twist this year that will make it even more exciting and fun. Um, yeah, we're definitely um, looking forward to having uh, Racine and Kenosha teams All going right. at it. So it, it, it's a fun thing. It's Again, we have that 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 sister relationship with Racine, <laughs> and it's always fun to have a little friendly rivalry between yeah. the two communities Excellent. and work together. And and while Jeff is sitting in front, he's got a couple of guys that are going to be helping him out. And Sam Facilli from Racine is going to have a, a couple of people helping him out from the Racine side. So that'll be great. And we're tying in Aurora in our community. And they're bringing their dietitian. So while these guys are talking about the dishes that they're creating, <laughs> their special chicken dishes and side dishes that they're creating for us, the dietitian from Aurora is going to be on hand talking about healthy substitutions, how you can throw in some more vegetables uh, into your life by still making a great dish with some more vegetables involved. Oh. I, I think she's probably going to be the biggest critic. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like in the best sense of the word. It's going to be so much fun. It's so incredible. By the way, Jeff, I only have I can only give you 45 seconds sure. or so to answer this question. When did you decide you wanted to be a firefighter and why? Um, that's really interesting. I'm actually the fifth generation firefighter wow. in my family. Oh, man. Uh, wow. My great-great-grandfather was on City Milwaukee from uh, beginning in 1881. Mm -hmm. um, and there's been someone in my family who's been on the fire department every generation since. Mm -hmm. um, I was actually working as a carpenter's apprentice for a while and was laid off. I needed a job, and I figured, well, I guess the family business is still available. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of where I started. Wow. And 30 years later, uh, here I am. Um, and it's uh, it's been a pretty rewarding career. Of what course. Well, I'm glad I asked. That's a great story. And uh, <laughs> so good to meet you, and uh, I hope I get to sample your delicious chicken this weekend. So... <laughs> Uh, Tim and Artis, we need to tell people exactly when and where all of this unfolds, although quite a few people listening already know very well where Harbor Park Jazz uh, occurs. But but especially for the sake of the uninitiated, uh, we need to explain uh, when and where. Well, it's this Saturday, the uh, 17th, uh, at Celebration Place, which is uh, lakefront of Kenosha. Gates open at 12.30. The cooking studio starts at 1.15. Our first act being Natty Nation comes on at 2.30. Awesome reggae group, the best in the state, coming out of Madison. 4 o'clock, we'll have uh, um, Christopher's, Christopher's Project. Project. Oh, I had a minute break. The Christopher's Project with Joe Jordan, great R&B artist coming out of Milwaukee. Nora Jean Brusso comes on yes. at 5.45. She is like an Etta James and a Coco Taylor coming out of, she's born in Mississippi, but she's coming out of Chicago. Mm. And, of course, 7.30 with Paul Taylor. 
So it's a again great food, great music, all on the Great Lake. You can purchase tickets, of course, at Tenuta's if you're in Kenosha, at uh, Andrea's, and uh, of course the Kenosha Community Foundation, and all of our fans that are outside of this area can go to the website, and that's at mahonefund.org. Mahonefund.org. General admission tickets are twenty-five dollars in advance. Of course, at the gate they're thirty-five dollars. Unfortunately, the VIP area is sold out. Hmm. Um, nice problem to have. But you know what? If you call in right now, and I know you can't do that, but if you call in right now, you might be able to get a couple. <laughs> well, it's going to be, I know, another spectacular festival that a lot of people are looking forward to. Uh, great, great food, great, great music, great, great fellowship, and all in memory of two uh, wonderful people. Uh, Mary Lou and Arthur F. Mahone. So I appreciate that, and I do need to say thank you to Jeff and and uh, Local Four One Four, of course, and and Sam, uh, Local Three Twenty One Honoree Scene. When we made the phone call, as you've heard throughout this conversation about families coming together, we truly have brought together another family partner mm-hmm. in, in this journey of bringing music together in the lakefront. I can't thank Jeff enough, and and Sam in his absence for their participation, and my co-chairs for. Uh, just making this a great quality start to a great event. Um, and all of our partners, right? And, of course, I always say this. You know this, Greg. The 88 volunteers that help us put this event on on Saturday are our best friends mm. throughout the year. And we can't thank them enough for helping us perpetuate the legacy of my mom and dad, Mary Lou and Arthur. Wonderfully said. Tim and Artis Mahone, always a great pleasure to have you here. Uh, Terry Jacobson and Jeff Widener, great to have you with us as well. Here's a little more of saxophonist Paul Taylor, the musical headliner for this weekend, to bring to an end today's morning show. And thanks, everybody, for being here. Thank you.
Pleasure Seeker by saxophonist Paul Taylor.